Hi, and welcome to episode 249 of No Crying in Baseball, the Eat the Rich episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. It's Tequila Day. Hey. Hi, Potty Mouth. Happy Tequila Day. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, wait. We need a clink. We need, we we need do. a clink. Okay. I don't know if you guys can hear that. That was a clink of our baseball glasses full of lots of tequila, a little bit of Cointreau, a little bit of lime seltzer, some salt, all Some lime stuff. juice, because that's a fruit. Yeah. Makes it healthy. So these are these are definitely healthy. And there's there is plenty, hopefully, to get us through this show. And we're on the same wavelength today because it is the start of Women in Baseball Week. So happy Hooray. Women in Baseball Week, everybody. Yeah, so I showed up and found out that me and Potty Moth are wearing our matching glass ceiling shattered um, Kim Ang t-shirts. So but that that seems to be the right thing. Yeah, totally. Totally. And you know, the cool thing is I had like a couple of women in baseball shirts to choose from. I have the, the DC Girls one that you gave me, mm-hmm. I've got the Throw Like a Girl shirt. So, you know, just like Women in Baseball Week is getting bigger and bigger and Women in Baseball, we're going to talk about more. Um, so has our wardrobes. That's right. That's right. There are, there are more appropriate um, um, T-shirts to wear. Hooray for us. Yeah. Hey, so um, I just want to note real quick that Major League Baseball has used the all-star break to ruin baseball for the masses. As if they hadn't already? Yeah. So here's what they did. Um, so they, they're giving everybody a, a free week of um, you know MLB TV. They cracked down on all of the pirating sites. Not that I have any direct knowledge of pirating baseball games, but apparently yesterday they were all down, and today there were there were partial downage. I of course only did this for research purposes. Mm -hmm. Not that I really wanted to watch the O's game, but um, dude, way to grow, way to grow the game. Yeah, in general, like you needed many more help. All right, but now I've got potty mouth and tequila, so I'll get through it. Yep. On today's show, Toronto sets a record, and so does another team, but Potty Mouth will tell you about that. We've got numbers associated with the draft. We've got the Juan Soto watch. We've got a check-in with our predictions. They're not pretty at all. Happy Hall of Fame Day, as well as Tequila Day. Um, We've got Eat Eat the Rich, featuring Rob Manfred, and it's Women in Baseball Week. All right. We'll start out with some misery. Yeah, I was looking at this and thinking, I'm talking like half misery today. And then it gets happier at the end. But and that also coincides when, as you're finishing your tequila drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this might, I mean, I might start drinking a little bit faster right about now. I was really contemplating whether to talk about this because I was just in denial on Friday. I was ignoring it, except for our friend, uh, Turner Pair Chris, was actually at Fenway Park on Friday night to witness this historic game between Toronto and the Red Sox, but not historic in the way I would want it to be. I'm just going to take one little sip of tequila here. Mm-hmm. Just steadying yourself for, for the numbers. Yeah. So looking on the bright side, it wasn't a shutout. Kristen Vasquez even got a home run. Wow, the bar is low. It, oh, my God. Well, it was it was really bad when... Cause but we, the bar was visited <laughs> a lot at Fenway. <laughs> I think I, the bar must have been mighty busy. We weren't actually watching the game. I'm trying to remember what we were doing Friday night, but at one point... Mr. Pottymouth checked the score, and I just, you know, casually said, so what's the score? And he said, you don't want to know, which is, you know, a usual you don't want to know. And I was like, all right, just give it to me. He's like, no, you really, really don't want to know. And at that point, it was like 21 to something really low. Um, so the final score was 28 to 5, which means that Toronto got to set their franchise record of 28 runs in a game. And Boston also set a record of the number of runs allowed in a game. So just to put this in a little bit of perspective for other games that have been this um, football-esque, shall we say, 
Uh, since 1900 in MLB, there was a 30-run game, which was the Rangers over the Orioles, actually in 07, at the Orioles. Uh, the second one, with, tw- with 29 runs, there's actually three teams, Atlanta over the Marlins, the White Sox over Kansas City at Kansas City, and actually, and, and actually that was when the A's were in Kansas City. And the Red Sox were on the winning side of this equation many, many years ago in 1950 against the St. Louis Browns. There's one other game that had gone 28, and that was the cards at the Phillies. And I wrote 29. I'm not sure if I really meant 1929 or if I screwed up there. Well, I'm sure you didn't mean 2029, so the odds are good. I think it's more recent. I might have meant 09. So this is bad. At some point. This is this is clearly bad. We can make a lot of excuses for the Red Sox, and I'm about to in a very short, <laughs> short amount of time when Patty goes over our predictions. But um, th- it just sucks. And, and I got to say it sucks. And, and at least the other little silver lining is that game that I saw at Yankee Stadium was the last hurrah, really, of the Red Sox before they started sucking so badly. <laughs> because then they lost the next two games against the Yankees, but they really lost, 14-1 to and 13-2. to Which means those two games, plus the 28-5, to was the worst three games with a run, the run def- differential between three games recorded in MLB history. And considering the fact that the Red Sox lost yesterday and today, I would not be, and actually they were on their way to losing today, I, I might have jumped the gun on that one. I'm going to have to to verify. Um, let's see right now because I'm just too curious. Yeah, they lost. Yeah, they lost. Crap. So I think that probably has just gotten a lot worse. On the bright side, we have excellent taste in Toronto Baseball Boyfriends. These are those guys that we choose in the offseason every year because there's something cool about them. And we can only get one guy per team, but then guys move around. And we've been doing this so long that we end up with a bunch of guys on the Blue Jays. And hey, they all did really well during this game. Yeah, that's a great boyfriend report right there. We pick good boyfriends. Yep. And the one with the best hair would be Baby Pina, Lourdes Guriel, who is my uh, Toronto boyfriend from 2019. He has become the only Cuban player in MLB with a six-hit game in nine innings. There's one other player who had a six-hit wow. game in, a, in an extended uh-huh. inning, but in nine innings. That's a, lot. Guriel, That's a lot of hits. Got six hits. All of our NCIB boyfriends got hits. That includes Ramel Tapia, Vladdy Guerrero, Bo Bichette, Craig Biggio. Uh, Kevin K- Biggio. Kevin Biggio. Craig you know, hasn't played was- for a while. Oops, I was just watching that Hall of Fame thing and yeah. drinking tequila. Yes, Kevin, little bit. Wait, you had tequila? It was, or just it was, now? Just, just now. Okay. Just now. It's, it's getting there. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez and Guriel, of course. Uh, Espinal, Santiago Espinal, and Matt Chapman, Woo. who another import, all got hits. All of them, except Kevin Biggio, got an RBI. All of them. Oh, only two of them got home runs. That would be Matt Chapman. Oh, three of them, Teoscar Hernandez, and and then this is the big scene from this game no. that you've probably seen over and over in tr- uh, Twitter, which was the inside the park yeah. grand slam yeah. by Raymal Tapia and his glorious hair, very high cue hair there, <laughs> and it was because, unfortunately, of the ineptitude of a current boyfriend that I might break up with again. So this is this might be an NCIB first. You are first. fickle. <laughs> Fickle. Fickle with the Red Sox. So I had Jaron Duran this year. Just fickle with I Duran. I dumped him when he wasn't getting vaccinated. He got vaccinated, so I brought him back. But now, you know, I, I've never dumped a guy because of not playing well. But what I don't I like. I don't think you can dump him for that. But what I don't like about this, and you might actually go for this, right. is that he wasn't trying. He go. lost the ball, and then he didn't run 
after to get it. And and whoever was in center field actually came in and got the ball. But there was like very, and maybe, maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe he really lost it and didn't know where to run. And so that's why he was just sort of standing around. But it definitely had the air. A lot of people were getting on him like, he's just not trying at this point. They're getting beaten badly and he's just not trying. So because um, there are stupid rules and mm-hmm. I make a lot of them, mm-hmm. I'm going to say you can't dump him as your boyfriend, but you can choose to ignore him and not play him anywhere and okay. not talk about him anymore until the end of the season. All right. I think I, I will definitely do that. Okay. Uh, and, and actually, who knows what's going to happen to him. I might not have the option. You're going to talk about <laughs> him three more times, I, yeah, I'm guessing. That I might, Maybe too. even he today. Biceps. He's got biceps. <laughs> so uh, the, the question now is, what are the Red Sox going to do? They are in the proverbial gutter. And the Orioles are not did not lose did not win today. So I, I think, and this might have changed by the time you're hearing the show, that the Red Sox are still in fourth place. But I think that the Orioles, with the, their momentum that they have, and the Red Sox with what shit is falling down, they're going to end up in last place, which is really sad. So does that mean they buy or sell at the deadline? There is a lot of pressure, including by David Ortiz, who I'm going to talk about later, to keep Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers because they are the stars. They've got to be the anchors. But does it make sense? Like, are they at a rebuild stage? Should they actually try to rebuild Mm. another interesting note is the blue jays who are currently raking i mean despite just sweeping the red sox they had won the couple games before that before the all-star break they fired their manager charlie montaya which i was shocked about because he's such a good guy and and like the relationship with Alex Cora and his guys, you know Montoya is is bilingual, bicultural, has a really good relationship with uh, with the players. And I was shocked that they would do that. And at that time, Alex Cora said that it was a wake up call to him. Uh, apparently, not enough, but that <laughs> like, basically nobody's safe. He's like, right, this for sure. You know, this could happen to me for sure. So will it? I don't know. I'm going to leave that one hanging. But I, yeah, I, I still love my Red Sox. I'm going to keep watching. I'm wearing my hat, but holy shit. Okay, now that the the Red Sox and the O's are, like, really within a game of each other right. at all times, does that mean you're not going to be rooting for the O's if we go to another O's game? Because I was really enjoying you sort of being <laughs> an O's fan. I know it was situational. Yeah. But you were, like, I legitimately was. rooting for the O's because it, it didn't hurt. The Red Sox, so right. now it, now it might. might. Now it might. So this might be a problem. It definitely might be a problem, especially because the next game might be the, when the Red Sox come in in August, but we'll see. Okay. All right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> hey, um, speaking of O's, because we do all the time, but it's, it's timely because we're going to talk about the draft for just a second. We you know, pretty much predicted what was going to happen with the draft, and it sure enough did, mostly, mostly. So the O's had the first round um, pick, and they picked Jackson Holiday, which is one of the sons. Right? Yeah, Matt Holliday's kid. He's a lefty um, shortstop. They, okay, I'm going to tell you what they signed him for in just a second because the Diamondbacks picked the other guy. Yep. We, we knew they were going to be in one order or the other. They picked outfielder Drew Jones, son of Andrew Jones, and they signed him for what was a record-breaking number for kids coming out of high school or prep school specifically, which was $8,189,400. So the next day or two, Jackson Holiday signed for $8.19 million. So the Drew Jones oh had the record God. for like two days. 
Wow. And then Jackson Holiday. These kids are eight freaking teen years old. Jackson Holiday looks like a baby. Looks like he's 14. <laughs> Have you seen the video of him swinging a bat at age three? Yeah. He has a swing at age three. This kid, oh my God, has got, uh, he's got some potential. The O's in a couple years, man, watch the heck out. Oh, absolutely. Out. The surprise was Kumar Rocker, who we had been watching. He was the first pitcher to get drafted. He was drafted third. Um, he was drafted by the Rangers and signed for $5.2 million. And if you remember, last year he was a first-round choice by the Mets. Wow. He was um, selected 10th, so he was picked higher this year, right? Um, third instead of 10th. Um, the Mets were going to sign him for $6 million pending that medical, yeah, the physical and right. all that, and they decided not to sign him at all. So Kumar actually signed higher up for a little less money, $5.2 million, but um, I think that extra year did him well because he, you know, he just sort of hung out in indie ball. You know, he's playing mm-hmm. for the, um, the 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 Valley Cats, you know, um, uh, in upstate New York, and got seen and got drafted third overall. So wow. that's pretty cool. So anyway, lots of money for those guys. Lots of talk about these guys being signed mm-hmm. for a little bit less than they could have been signed for to save that money to sign guys farther down. So I'm not sure if that's good news hmm. or bad news because that gets more money to other guys who would have gotten less money. Right. And, you know, this is back to the, you know, is $8 million, you know, that much worse than $8.3 million right. or something, whereas that, like, 0.3 could really make a difference in somebody's life farther down the road. So I, I don't know how I feel about that, but there you go. There's your one, two, and three in the draft. Um, the trade deadline is August 2nd, like 5 o'clock, I think, or 6 o'clock on August 2nd. So... The trade stuff is going to be hot and heavy right now. So, you know, hold on to your baseball caps because your favorite guys may be going somewhere else. Um, maybe one of our favorite guys. Speaking of, oh, mm-hmm. my God. That's I, it just is blowing my mind that this is such a tense time where you're wondering what's going to happen. And with the Nats, man, I are they going to – I think Josh Bell is pretty clear that yeah. they're working with Juan Soto. I don't know. I think you have more information for me. I'm still holding on to the belief that they're going to hang on to him somehow. But there has been some sort of nasty gramming going back and forth. And I'm going to blame Scott Boris because I like to blame him for you everything. Sure do. You especially love, you love blaming Scott <laughs> totally. Boris. Totally. I mean, 23-year-old Juan Soto, that's like the, the, the bottom line is he's still a baby and he's grew into baseball in this city, and I just can't believe that he would be thinking these bad things if he didn't have somebody whispering in his ear. Like, say Scott Boris, who who talked directly to Sports Illustrated to point out that the Nats had not flown Juan Soto privately to the All Star Game, Wait, and that and the and the problem behind this is that he had to fly. I'm sure it wasn't coach, but he had to fly on his own. He got in at 1:30 in the morning, and he had to do the home run derby. It totally affected him. Clearly, clearly. he couldn't possibly have won. Oh wait, <laughs> right. oh wait. So there's that. So Boris specifically called out MLB to Sports Illustrated. So this is a very purposeful thing. That's oh, sure. the thing about it. It's not like that that Sports Illustrated uncovered this scoop. He contacted them and made sure that they were aware of it, called out them and Major League Baseball for not taking care of it, and then also you very clearly put in that he couldn't have done it because it would have been a violation of rules right. governing agent behavior, right. which I'm sure he knows more about that than me. Yeah. He's the lawyer. So 
I don't know. I feel like there should be a happy medium in here. So there's there's the A's player, the pitcher, Paul Blackburn, and it came to light that he also didn't have a private jet for himself because, like Juan Soto, they're the only guy from the team. So are you going to hire a private jet for the team? So they were playing in Houston. The Astros gave him a ride. That seemed like a logical thing to do. So uh, Scott Boris pointed out that the whole Atlanta team, that the Nats were playing at Atlanta, and the whole Atlantic team got there five hours before Juan Soto. Well, why didn't you ask them to give him a ride? That's not Atlanta. That's not yeah. on the Nats right there. Right. Atlanta That's true. could have made they that offer. They should have. They should have. So I guess there's a lot going around. I guess in, in the other case, I don't know, somebody's the, – the traveling secretary for the A's reached out to the traveling secretary for the Astros to get Paul Blackburn – on that plane. So I guess the traveling secretary for, to parallel it for the Nats should have reached out to the traveling secretary. See, that's interesting because in the things that I was reading, it was definitely the, you know, the Astros oh, right. reached Being out and like, let's help you because yeah. this is the right thing to do. And clearly that's not actually what happened. They were asked and they, of course they said yes, because you can't, if you said no to that, that would be bad for us. I think there's plenty of blame to go around, but I don't know if it's really worth Stoking oh, the fire. no. And it, so you've got this 23-year-old who's now saying, but they told me that they wouldn't trade me. Like, he's still, I mean, he's under team control still for another couple of years, mm. and I think he feels like the team is now letting him down because he didn't take the offer, but he also felt like, well, I didn't take that offer, but that doesn't mean, maybe it doesn't mean I don't want to be here for the next couple of years. So he actually retweeted a tweet from our, our beloved J- Derek Jeter that, is, you hear the air quotes yeah. around beloved there, don't you? <laughs> Loyalty one way is stupidity. So he deleted it, and he, he tweeted it and deleted it very fast. But Twitter is there, and somebody's going to pick it up the second he tweets it. And so I don't know. I, I blame Boris. <laughs> so here's what I see the Nats doing. Okay, so the Nats are – they've got Soto on the trading block, but yeah. they are very demanding. Uh-huh. They're saying – we need four to five youngsters. And their definition of youngsters is either really hot prospects mm-hmm. or guys that are so new to the majors that they're under team control for a long time. Okay. They're asking for a shit ton. Mm-hmm. And they're, they said Good. it's non-negotiable. So what I think they're saying is we want to keep him, right. but if we, if we have to trade him, it's going to cost you Dearly. So there are, of course, teams that can afford to do this. Oh, shit. And it's a matter of if they yeah. will. I think, you know, certainly everybody here in D.C. wants Soto to stay. Mm-hmm. I think Soto wants to feel the love. I think $440, you know, $440 million right. is the love. But, right. you know, you, you, you be you, bud. And um, I, I think I, I like the way the Nats are phrasing this. It's like, yeah, it's on the trading block, but it's going to you're going to okay. you're going to hurt. You're going to bleed. If you get him. I hope that works because, like, you know, just the, the fans. I, there was an article in the Post about, like, what the Nats have done to the fans, starting with Bryce Harper. And, yeah, we all did, we, yeah. we got over that fine. pretty fine. Yeah. But then when – and then Scherzer was kind of like, all right, not a surprise. But when they threw in Trey Turner with Scherzer, that was a little bit of a wait – where did well, that come from? What's happening? And then losing Anthony Rendon. And, like, it came from this this team that we loved all of them to – Oh, shit. And there, now, there's been a yard sale, yeah. and we don't care for this. Right. Yeah, and Soto's like the guy we have left. Yep. Who is like, I mean, yes, we love Josh Bell, but Soto, 
he grew up with us we grew up with him and seeing him go would be super hard so he's definitely in that in in that other category for sure so yeah so to watch continues so um our next episode we may still not have an answer so it may be like just day you know day or two after our next episode but you know hold on to your baseball caps things are gonna happen this week so we make predictions before the season starts I'm and we're, it's based on nothing. Mm-hmm. It's based on gut and heart and those things. And, and careful term, research. <laughs> not so much. Um, <laughs> so a little, a little bit, bit, a little bit. bit. It's a little bit of research. Um, and so we're going to check in now about what we had said back at the end of March that we thought was going to happen before the season had started. That was another world ago, March. You know what? Oh, my you, God. You're doing better than you think. Well, I, I like how you start with the highlight. Like, that's that's definitely my top pick. Yeah, so for our Rookie of the Year American League, Potty Mouth chose Julio Rodriguez. Woo-hoo. So just, just so you know, I used sporting news for the current odds for everything just to be, you know, consistent, just to apples to apples all the way through. Sporting news still has Julio Rodriguez as the presumptive Rookie of the Year for the American League, so you're doing great. There. Well, his I, we just got to say something about his home run derby. Oh, appearance. that was so much Holy fun! Holy shit, he was so much he, fun. He pulled a Vladdy though, like he, it was he the did. same thing, you know. He and did. yay, Juan Soto won at the end. But oh my God, Julio was the guy to watch. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't want to go first. You yeah. want to go second. So you right. only do as much as you need to do. And but Julio put it out there, and he was fun and he was endearing and engaging and that's great so I won't feel bad if he doesn't in fact come home with rookie of the year (laughs) I of course have Bobby Witt Jr. who just went on the IL I think it might just be day-to-day I'm not sure but that was today's news but he is still um, third on the list and again the season's just half over so I have hope of course my heart is with Adley but Adley I think started too late yeah to get um, any higher in the in, in the count, but we'll, we'll see. see. So, we'll see. So National League, um, well, we suck because we both <laughs> picked Sam Suzuki with the Cubs, and um, he's currently number seven on the list. Mackenzie Gore, who none of us had thought of with the Padres, mm-hmm. is leading by a lot in the, the National League. Go um, Padres. Right? So MVP, again, um, you're doing Better than you think. Huh. Um, Potty Mouth picked um, Shohei Otani, and I picked Vladdy. I had a gut pick there. <laughs> and uh, right now, it's Aaron Judge, who I don't care for right now. Yeah. Because he mm. mocked my ballpark. But Otani's number two. All right. So you're close. You are close. And Vladdy's number seven, which is not at all close. So. <laughs> it's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's, I was saying Suzuki was close with seventh. So, so here's Vlad the thing. Is. I think maybe we should check with each other instead of both like just comparing notes when we go to record. Because we both all picked right. Soto. And of course, Soto is number nine on the National yeah. League MVP list. Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt wow. is number one. Your former boyfriend. Former boyfriend, which is a little shocking because he's not that flashy. But Mm-mm. he's like, he shows up and does Solid. his job, right? Um, again, for Cy Young American League, we picked the wrong Shane. Both of us <laughs> are believers. Both of us picked Shane Bieber. But really, uh, Sporting News picked Shane McClanahan of the Rays. Yeah, although he didn't have, he's the one who didn't have such a great outing on the All-Star, wasn't it? Yeah, Bieber 7th. So, um, again, we're not great. Oh, but um, we're really not good in the National League where you picked Carlos Rodon and I picked Walker Bueller, which, uh, you know, last year was a really safe choice. This year, not so much. Of course, 
Sandy Alcantara um, is lighting yeah. it up right now. So he, of course, is number one. I don't think he's going to I think he's, he's I it. think Alcantara is definitely the one who's going to be winning it. Rodon did have a complete game, so there is, like, that excitement. But So that got him to number seven. Yeah. But Bueller? Bueller. 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 <laughs> 20 frickin' thirds. So what do I know from pitching? Here's well, where talk we... Talk about what do I know. <laughs> here's where we suck. Here's, here's where, where we suck really rocks. Suck. Okay, right, so I'm, right now for the American League, Potty Mouth picked Red Sox, White Sox, Angels. Mm. I picked Blue Jays, White Sox, Mariners. The actual, none of the above. Right. Yankees, Twins, Astros. Although the Mariners were on a tear before the All-Star break. They had a 14-game winning streak. So I'm not going to count them all the way out yet. No. Um, I'm, I, I kind of feel like the All-Star break may have sapped some... Um, um, What's the word I'm looking for? The momentum. Yes. That's it. The momentum. I've only finished half of, oh, no, two-thirds yeah, no, of I'm, my tequila. I'm the momentum. Fifths. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. But I, I feel like the Mariners could really surprise us a little bit. I'm so hopeful. I'm, hope, the, I'm, I'm the most hopeful for your Mariners at this point. The National League, I, I'm not sucking. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. We both had the Hammers. We both had Atlanta. Okay. We both had the Brewers. Yay. And then you have the Giants and I have the Dodgers. And it's actually the Mets instead of the Hammers. But it is the Brewers and it is the Dodgers. So I'm two out of three and you're one out of three there. And so that's not too bad. All right. Um, We're very bad with the American League. But not so weird. You know what? I think it is. It's like we have, our hearts have. Right. Like, you know, we we were born in the American League. And I am never, ever, ever, ever going to pick the Yankees, just period, because of yeah. I've got that in my blood. But So, um, you know, Potty Mouth, you're doing better than I think you thought you were. <laughs> I appreciate that. My re- I did, like, you were very kind not to, pick, to, to point out that I did pick the Red Sox to win the World Series. I'm which not is, going there yet. Is, I, I don't think it's important to go yeah. there yet. I mean, I, that's too far away. Yeah. That is too far away. And we can't prove it wrong, right or wrong right now, right. but these things we can say right now this is the case yeah 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 old guys got injured well young guys got injured kike hernandez got injured so that's i'm gonna blame it all on that because kike is just he's just the heart the energy so much so much but speaking of happy stuff happy stuff how many of you out there spent the afternoon today listening or watching the hall of fame ceremony because i did so if you didn't you're gonna hear my exuberance about it because it was really fun i love the hall of fame stuff and How do we not go to this? I, so there, that's exactly where I was going. And I was looking at the temperature, too, because it's a fucking, like, 103 degrees today here. But not in Cooperstown. No, it's Upstate like 86. New York is lovely, yeah. It's, it, it would have been doable. It would have been doable. You know, we've doable. got a place to stay up there. Oh, I can't believe we, we didn't pull this We have multiple places I can't to stay. Why do we not do this? Right, because, and, and at the very end, I'm going to tell you why it's especially sad that we didn't do it. But the Hall <laughs> of Fame is the top 1% of baseball it's the top one percent of players and to honor new guys to the club is is just so amazing and just to see the joy and the families coming together and the people coming together and one stat that they said which just like took me aback is that they lost 21 hall of famers in 2020 and i don't know how much of that is covid related and how much isn't but that seems like a high number. That sure does. And so, I uh, take care. I mean, just that's just hard. And so, and it, you know who is? It was amazing to see Sandy Koufax looks amazing, and he was definitely the oldest guy there on stage, 
looking good. So who was honored today? Well, of course, David Ortiz is the one pick from the Baseball Writers Association of America this year. And I will talk about him at the end because, oh, my God, his Big Poppy is just such a unique character in so many ways. But the Golden Days era committee picked a few super, you know, this is sort of like the, the second look at guys who should have gotten in for some reason. So Gil Hodges, who his rookie year of playing on the Dodgers, he played with Jackie Robinson and his daughter spoke and and one of her like very key threads was his relationship with Jackie Robinson and how close the two families were. And then I went online and and it told all of her stories totally backed up about how important Gil Hodges was to Jackie Robinson himself and and the the um totally poignant and very sad ending is he died in 1972 at age 47 six of a heart attack very suddenly six months later Jackie Robinson also died of a heart attack that year so a little a little just creepy very very sad um so Gil Hodges, very well known as a player, not only, but also managing the Miracle Mets of 1969. So also they honored Jim Cott, Cott and I'm trying to get, because I, I keep wanting to say cat, like meow, but Cott, um, who played for 25 years. He pitched from 1959 to 1983, and 15 of those years with the Twins. So there was a huge Twins like presence there for, for many reasons. He, he pitched for four other teams as well. And also still broadcasting. I'm going to jump in real quick because a neighbor of mine texted me this afternoon saying, are you watching the Hall of Fame? Because we are. Because my husband's distant cousin, oh my God, Jim Cott, is getting inducted. I had no wow. idea. So I'm going to have to have a little conversation over there and say, tell me some stories. I would love to hear some right? stories. But with like a 25-year career, That's, how do you, you play you baseball? You don't see that ever anymore. It's amazing. Ever. yeah. Absolutely amazing. So, and actually he started with the Twins before they were the Twins, when they were the Senators. So 15 years with that team. Minnie Minoso started in the Negro Leagues because he came over as a Cuban player, African descent, had to go into, into the Negro Leagues. He was the first Afro-Latino to break into the majors, and there were sort of repeated mentions of him as being the, the Cuban Jackie Robinson. Like, he was that level of important. He died not too long ago, right. 2015, and his wife spoke for him. And if you want to also go back for some more info, in episode 217, we talked about, about him a little bit because his son, who is gay, wrote a Father's Day letter to him after he died, basically talking about their relationship and how much he appreciated the support that he got for him. And at the hall, it was it was absolutely tear jerking. At the ceremony, they kept panning over to his son, who is holding hands with I don't know if it's his husband or if his his partner, and and crying a lot, like just very teary eyed. But that scene and just knowing what I had read about it from that that wet letter, you have to go back to it. It's just very very sweet. Also, Tony Oliva from the Twins, who credits Minoso as sort of his, his idol, also Cuban, who looked up to him when he came into the big leagues. He spent his entire career, 15 years on the Twins, many of those 15 years were with Jim Cott. And the interesting thing about Oliva is that his brother, or one of the bazillion interesting things about him so much, but his brother was also a baseball player, but only in Cuba. Oh. So his brother, Juan Carlos Oliva, 
he even he mentioned him in his speech that he traveled the world, but with the Cuban team, which means that he hadn't left exactly. Cuba. And he actually had to get Senator Amy Klobuchar involved to help his brother get a visa to get here. And he to watch did the induction to ceremony? watch the induction. Oh, so he was there. Oh, thank, thank you. He Amy. was totally there. All right. Um, I think that's it for the Golden Days Era Committee. And now to the early baseball era. So this is pre-1950, I believe. And, and talk about like tear jerking. This was huge. Bud Fowler, who was actually the first black baseball player in 1878. So this is before they had the realization that they wanted to segregate baseball, which is Heartbreaking in so many ways, but what he went through was parallel, if not worse, to what Jackie Robinson had to go through while he was playing. And Dave Winfield, who I, um, I, I feel bad for having any bad feelings about him because he was such a great Yankee for so many years that I just kind of have that gut reaction. But he spoke so well for him. And he, he did the research. He was called upon sort of as a baseball historian. And he talked about his nomadic career that basically he just had to play in many different places because of the racism and, the, and what he had to deal with in each place. He was in over 50 different communities. And when he was first buried, it was in an unmarked grave. No. Yeah, near, in, near Cooperstown. And they redid that fairly recent I don't I'm not quite sure how long ago but he talked about going to that grave to pay his respects on his way to talking about him also he is the first hall of famer at this point actually from Cooperstown he grew up in that area really wow very few um, African-American oh yeah uh, families in that I think they said like 28 when he was there but that is Go back and watch it. Definitely go back and watch Dave, Dave Winfield's speech. And finally, Buck O'Neill, who played with the Negro Leagues as a player and an advocate, and he joined uh, what is now MLB in as a coach. For And it's interesting because now that the, the Negro League stats are coming in with MLB, they mention him as the first black coach in the AL and NL because... You yeah. know, their stats sure. for Negro Leagues. So he was with the Cubs, and his niece spoke for him. Overall, I would say, if you haven't seen it, go back and see it. There were so many cool parts uh, of, of the veterans who came up on stage. Ted Simmons wins for Qhar. Yeah. He has beautiful, white, flowing locks. Definitely check it out. Uh, the the lowlights of the, <laughs> the, um, the ceremony, absolutely Manfred. He can't speak. Like, it, it's just, I mean, it's so hard. I have, like, so many bad feelings with him on different levels. And definitely this tequila. Holy shit, I'm only done, almost done with my drink. I keep but diluting mine. I'm going to I'm gonna dilute it a little bit more right now because yeah. I'm thirsty. Um, That's the reason. He, he, he can't, he couldn't, like, eloquently read. All his, his job was read the plaque. Read just the what's plaque. written on the plaque. That was his job before each guy came up. And he did it in such a way that was just not fun to listen to. And his pronunciation was was off. And, you know, I do that sometimes. But for, for Mini Minoso, which I've seen, you know, there's the Enye there. So I've seen Minoso and Minoso. But he said Minosa. And just in this oh. kind of just not. In any way you could get it wrong, he got yeah, it wrong. Yeah, he all, just all got it wrong. I'm surprised there were no audible boos when he was introduced. Yeah. But 
people were on their best behavior mm-hmm. because we're in Cooperstown and it's like it's like being in Fenway. Yeah. Right? You have respect for the location no matter what else is going on. I think so. Yeah. David Ortiz. Okay. Uh, are you going to cry now? Oh my God. You're going to cry now. It was, he's, Patty he's going to cry into her tequila. He's such a good person in so many ways. And, and I guess there was this group of um, veterans who were not going to attend because of the first time somebody associated with PED abuse being inducted. But it's so speculative. It was tested before it was announced as a test. It was a one-time thing. There's there's just so many layers to go down as to why that shouldn't matter. And they came around and they did attend. Really? So, yeah. Wow. So I think that somebody explained the situation to him. And actually, I saw an interview with Ortiz about it. And he was sort of like, you know, that, like, it was, it was not right. I, I t- it came out one time. It never came out again. I didn't do it. I didn't continue, you know, like it, it, there's no evidence that this continued to be a problem with me. So power to him. He pointed out himself that he is the first, first ballot designated hitter to be in the Hall of Fame. The fourth Dominican after um, Pedro Martinez and Vladdy Guerrero, Vlad Guerrero Sr. clearly, and Juan Marichal. Uh, he was drafted by the Mariners, didn't make it to the light of day with the Mariners, and tweeted, traded from them to the Twins. Did you say tweeted? Tweeted. I think I did. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's too much to we, <laughs> we have hit the we breaking have, point. We have totally hit the, and I have like two more things I to go. I think we're more than halfway Holy through, though, shit. so that's okay. Thank you. Thank you so much. So <laughs> the, the Twins, so he did spend like six, can I count, six years with the Twins, something like that. And was DFA'd by them. Basically, it's it's like the worst mistake that the twins have made in franchise history. But who knows? Who knows? They could and, make more. Right. Is that what, you're <laughs> what I'm saying is that when he went to Boston, it was like this magical thing with Pedro and with Manny and with everybody else. Interestingly, the winter after the twins DFA'd him, he played with my Leones del Escogido, the team that I chose sure in the Dominican did. Republic, before I even knew that Big Poppy had anything to do with them. And that very year, he was the MVP of the Caribbean series. So not only does that mean that the Leones won in the DR, they made it to the Caribbean series, they won the Caribbean series, and he was the MVP because, of course, he was because it's Big Poppy. That's Big Poppy. And then when you he can't said, not like Big Poppy, oh, you, you can't. can't. And then when he said Boston, just with so much love, and he has done so much for the city of Boston. And I've said this before. I really, I really feel like as far as racial <laughs> relations in Boston, Boston has a bad rep, and a lot of players call Boston out, including CeCe Zabathia and Adam Jones, as, as especially dealing with racism at Fenway. And that hurts my heart. And I feel like David Ortiz has helped Boston get through that and get beyond that. And he's just full of so much love. So, of course, you know, 2004. Wait, hold on a second. Um, I've had to kill a dream. So do you mean that he has changed the opinions of people who live in Boston? Okay. I think so. Their their outlook is different. Yep. Okay. That's cool. I think so. That's very cool. I really do think so. I just feel like it's been a sea change there because of him. And I appreciate him so much for that. So, of course, he broke the curse in 2004. 
Personally. And, personally. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Because that was the year that he was the ACLS MVP against the Yankees. Against the Yankees. And of course, you know, of course he's going to be a Boston hero. In game four and game five of the ACLA, ACLS, <laughs> he had the walk-off hit to win the game. Unbelievable. And that's after they'd come back from that, like, Game three losing, it could have been 28, but I think it was like 19 to four or something stupid like that. And then he brought us out of that. Also, not too shabby, his last World Series with Boston, 2013. Of course, so 2013, though, I just have to mention, talk about becoming a Boston hero. He mentioned the Boston bombing in his speech. And he talked about how that was such a an intense moment for the city of Boston. And he applauded the people of Boston for coming together in Boston Strong and coming out of that. But how did the people do that? It's because he got out there and he said, this is our fucking city. He said that to the people of Boston who understand that language, of course. Like, that's that's where I come from. That's my roots. He says to me that that's your. this is our fucking city. Ain't nobody going to mess with it. Of course we're going to go behind him. So, yes, 2013, Red Sox rallied, won the World Series again. His average during the World Series, 688. Nuh-uh. 688 in the 2013 it's World like Series he's MVP. good at baseball and, I think and so. highly motivated. So here's the other byline, though. There were some years that he sucked. Mm-hmm. He had some real down times, 2009, 2014, and they stuck by him. And, and that's kind of a motto, too, that if you've got this player with longevity, and look at, like, Juan Soto started out this year with a struggle. You've got a player with longevity, with this love for the city, that's worth a lot. That counts for everything. His last year was 2016, and he averaged 315 with 38 home runs in his last oh, year. God. He homered against every team in MLB, including both the Red Sox and the Twins, when he was playing for either one. He homered in 29 stadiums. Some don't exist anymore. And then it's the nice guy thing. Like, he's the ultimate baseball boyfriend. Charity work both in Boston and in the Dominican Republic. And it was interesting. He, he mentioned his David Ortiz Foundation, and he said something about knowing what it's like to to have to spend time in the hospital, which was a little bit of an uh, illusion. To he was shot. He, he was, was shot. shot in the DR, and with with serious, it was a serious situation. And thank God he's okay. But he had to have surgery a couple years later after the shooting because there were some major organs that that the the bullet punctured. So, oh my God, we are so blessed to have David Ortiz with us. And what I loved, and here's where like I come full circle, the last line, he, he, the other beautiful thing, he went back and forth between Spanish and English because he had a lot of people there from the DR. He had his family there. He was talking to them directly when he was talking about his mom. He talked to his family directly. His mom died, I can't, can't remember which year. It was while he was playing, but whenever he looks to the sky, that's an honor to his mom. He talked directly to his dad, but then he said, see you all at the brewery, and he said it in Spanish. <laughs> so we, and it was the, I can't remember the name, Omegong, something like that. It was, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been there. Okay. <laughs> that's where they're meeting up right now, and that's where we would have been had we gotten our we asses We would have totally to have been there. They are the brewery that did the Game of Thrones beers. Mm. I'm just saying, I know them well. I have been there. 
okay, so we have to go. Why have we not gone I, yet to an induction or even to the Hall of Fame together? I've been there multiple times. I have never been there. We need to go. We I've need to go. Okay, let's make a plan. We're going to go. Okay, Potty Mouth and I are okay. going to the Hall of Fame. We just don't know when. Um, but before we go there, we have to eat the rich. Okay. Okay, this is your scheduled rant for today, it's which about if you've time. been following um, social media at all this week, you saw this coming. Before the All Star game, um, the, the commissioner of baseball, you may have heard of him, Rob Manfred, had a little press conference. And Anna Kaiser, who you know either from Yahoo Sports or right. if you watch the Friday night baseball broadcasts on Apple TV, you know Hannah, asked the best question I think that may have ever been asked of mm -hmm. him, which is, is the issue that, he's talking about minor league players, is the issue that owners can't afford to pay minor league players a living wage or they just don't want to? God, I love Hannah Kaiser yes. for that. She just cut right the fuck to it. And he said, he being Rob Manfred, commissioner of baseball, says, I kind of reject the premise of the question, that minor league players are not paid a living wage. And he notes that, in fact, the, 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 basic, the base wage has increased in the past year, and that now MLB is providing housing, and he thinks that... In fact, makes it a living well, wage. Also, only due to pressure. Like, he didn't do that of the kindness oh, of his heart. Of course not. Of course not. So let's talk about what that increase in pay was. For Class A, um, the increase in pay was from $290 a week to $500 a week. And in AAA, it was from $502 to $700. For AAA, only in season. Mm -hmm. That means the AAA players who are not on the 40-man roster make about $14,000 a year annually. The federal poverty line for a single-person household this year is 13590 Those guys in AAA who are making the most of the basic salary is $14,000. That means most minor league players make less than the poverty line. For comparison's sake, eh. Rob Manfred makes $17.5 million a year, which means he is paid that $14,000 that AAA players make in about two hours, two freaking hours of the work week. How can he not censor himself when he speaks? How does his brain not say, oh, wait, don't say this out loud because you're going to come off as callous and completely out of touch because he because he is, is in fact callous and completely callous out of touch that's just that's just wage. so again these these salaries these wages don't include their signing bonus and we we truthfully cited earlier the eight million dollar bonuses that that um holiday holiday got and mm -hmm. that um that um uh drew uh, andrew jones got yeah drew jones got and that um the Kumar Rocker got $5 million. There are very few minor league players right. who get that. Some get a couple hundred thousand dollars, but most don't. A lot of players, if they get anything at all, it's maybe like five grand on top of their basic wage that they get, which is below minimum wage and only during the season. Only for the season. Only during, So these guys whose job it is to play baseball also have to have a job doing DoorDash right. or driving Uber or UPS or something that gets them through the offseason when they should be training. When they're in the major leagues, they're training in the offseason. 
they have to train on top of earning a living. I mean, and this housing that the that Major League supposedly provides, which only some of them are providing, mm-hmm. most of them, but it's just for the player. Some teams provide for the whole family, but if that player is married and has kids, that may not cover having their family live with them. Mm-hmm. So it's really, eh, maybe not so much. Right. Maybe we just look at the dollars because the housing is not really, I mean, it's, it's a dorm room. Especially for someone making seventeen and a half million dollars, freaking out of touch. Like, oh and we knew he was out of touch, but does he have to keep throwing it in our faces? Yeah. How out of touch he is! That's why I just—I I got just queasy every time he spoke at the Hall of Fame thing. I was like, "Oh my God, do you lo- do you like baseball? Do you I, like baseball?" Has he ever had to worry about a paycheck? I'm thinking probably right? not. Probably not. He probably comes from a place where he hasn't. And if he has, I mean, apologies, yeah. but you should be able to remember that time. Mm-hmm. And not speak like this because you are out of freaking touch, dude. Scary. You really are. So, um, yeah, that um, God bless Hannah Kaiser mm-hmm. for saying that. And she also she wrote a yeah. really good article that I'm going to link to about her asking that question and what what's behind it. Like in the major leagues, because they don't have that antitrust exemption, guys can fight for what they're worth. They can't do that in the minor leagues. They're not allowed to. They're not allowed to. They get paid what they get paid. You know, like as parents, we say you get what you get and you don't get upset, you know, <laughs> which is sort of like the way you get kids passed, right. like having a fit. I'm sorry. Minor league players are adults, and you can't treat them like that. If they deserve more money, they should get more money, especially if you make bazillion dollars a year as a team. Yeah. And if, just think how yeah. wonderful baseball would be if we really, like, developed people who had the talent with the conditions that they deserve. For sure, for huh. sure. And, and I will say, I mean, like, I have been this summer spending a lot of time with our local collegiate league. Mm-hmm. And these guys don't get paid for participating in the league. They pay a fee to participate. Wow. And some of them work, like, the summer camps mm-hmm. the league puts on in order to earn money. And some of them get housed by local families, or they are already local and just live at home. But they're not getting paid for this thing. that They do several hours a day, almost every day of the week. And so to be able to afford to do that is a privilege. Yeah. It's a privilege. So it really does cut out the people who get this opportunity. And we have to figure out a way to make that stop. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. I'll, I'll end my rant. All right. That's how I'm feeling. I'll, I'll go more into the future of baseball and talk about girls and women in baseball. And it's been a week for it, and it's going to be a week for it as we go into Women in Baseball Week. But this past week has been Baseball for All Nationals, which has been so exciting for us to track year after year because it's growing and growing and growing. And the last day is tomorrow. These girls have been playing in Arizona. Oh, it's hot there. It is 110. But it's a dry heat. <laughs> I, I don't know how these kids are dealing with it. Badly. A- 110 plus degrees. Mesa, Arizona. But they have 450 girls ages 6 to 16 from 30 states and three countries. That would be U.S., Canada, and Mexico. And And this is something that Patty has said, like, throughout our podcast, like, put them in the spot and it's going to validate it. So put them where the the professionals play and that's going to lend credibility. So they've been playing in spring training fields or at least the 16 and up 
16 and under, I always fuck that up. 16 and under have always been playing, have been playing on the spring training fields of the A's and the D-backs. Good, good. The other wonderful thing is to make this sort of complete, um, holistic, that 70% of the umpires are female. Yay. So yay for women umps. Hey, let me break in for a second, and I, mm-hmm. I'm just going to posit, can they buy uniforms that fit them? Because last time that oh. we talked to Perry Barber, she said they don't make umpire uniforms for women, and so you have to buy them and tailor them so they fit women. Right. I wonder. Yeah. I don't know. Fun fact. With that, yeah. We should look into that. The other thing that lends credibility is being supported by a major league team. And bless Sean Doolittle, the patron saint of the podcast, who sent his video wishes to the DC Force, who are awesome. Huge flock of folks from DC going down there. Also, the White Sox have done the right thing, and the White Sox charities are supporting their, that's 13 and under, I thought it was 12. I might have had a typo there. Uh, they're supporting one of the teams, so that is a good thing. And the Twins are the other team that have been noted for having direct support of this. Uh, Shirley Berkovich, who is one of the All-American Girl Professional Baseball League players, who sadly passed away this past year, and there's a Hustle Award in her honor for the team has just put that together. And the 10 and under went to this team from Hawaii, and I'm 99% sure, even though it's not in my notes, that 12 and under is in D.C. And you can just fact check me there, but I'm pretty sure it's the D.C. Forest that did that. Another cool thing that happened for them is they got an advanced screening of the new upcoming A League of Their Own, which is is going to be debuting on Amazon Prime on August 12th. I can't wait. I'm really psyched for these for this to get a new look. Super, super cool. Super cool because I think it's about the 30th anniversary of the old one, I'm pretty sure. And the new one is supposed to be just opening up a little bit more for modern times and looking at the the gay players and looking at the issue with African-American players not being able to play and right. what's going on with them. So I am super looking forward to that. They had the Q&A afterwards with Maybelle Blair, so an amazing woman from the All-American Girls League, Justine Siegel, the founder of, of Baseball for All, and Tracy Reiner, who was actually in the original movie as Betty Spaghetti. Um, and Maybelle Blair said about this sort of new revival and how it's more accurate, essentially more accurate, that when Penny made the movie, they left out a lot because it wasn't the time to reveal it as much. And having lived through that time, I can understand yeah. that perspective, but that this is telling the real truthful story. And it's, it's past time to be doing that. So I'm excited to see it, and I'm super happy for the baseball for all kids that have been able to participate in this event. I am too. I mean, I got to say, I am one of the... Um the minority who don't, I don't love a league of their own. I mean, you know, our, our podcast title, you know, aside, which you, which you came up with. Yeah. I (laughs) I like a lot of it. I quote some of it, but overall I don't like the body shaming. I hate the fact that they don't address, you know, they don't address the the gay players. They don't address the fact they actively kept black players out of the league. And that, irks me and I'm yep. really hoping I'm hopeful from what I hear about this Amazon series that that's going to be different I mean I I I hate to be that person like oh yeah League of Their Own it's so great it's like well right well 
yeah, right. But and now maybe I won't have to say that but part exactly. anymore. Maybe it'll be okay. Well, it's kind of like looking at old eighties movies with our kids. Oh my it's god, like horrifying! Oh shit. I can't believe that we thought that was okay because yeah, times. Yeah, and at the time it was, and then our kids look at us like. You love right. this movie? You yeah. have fond memories of this? This sucks. This it's is not how people behave now. Yeah. Like, you're right. You're absolutely right. So a redo was the right thing to do. Looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to watch it in your basement on a big screen. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to have to do that. I think so. So some folks who shouted out to the Baseball for All, All Nationals people were the young women who are currently at the U.S or currently actually just just finished because I'm dying to see who made the final roster, the USA Women's Baseball, nat- well, first it was the National Open and then the National Team Trials. So the team trials ended today. It's been a big week for women's baseball. The Women's National Open happened from July 18th to the 20th in Minnesota, and there were about 58 young women invited to that. And the goal here is to make the women's national team to represent the women in the next Women's Baseball World Cup, which is going to be next year. So unfortunately, we don't have a women's league, which should be doing something like this, but hopefully that'll be the next step. But that there are this many women playing, and a lot of these women are playing in college clubs or in small leagues that aren't organized, maybe even in men's leagues. So it was cut down to 40 soon after for the women's national team trials, which happened from the 21st to the 24th, which is today while we're recording. And that included 13 alumni from the women's national team who have been played on the international stage before, including Malika Underwood, who's been on the national stage nine times this woman nine times marty Sementelli and anna kimbrell have been there eight jade gortares medi mendlinger and kelsey whitmore who we've talked about who's playing in staten island have been there five times there are only 11 of those 40 who are brand new and one is our very local and who we adore from dc girls baseball paloma benach who pitched two shutout innings in the first game. There were three games that were played between the Stars and the Stripes during this time when they had the national team trials with these 40 women. They were the Stars versus the Stripes? It was the Stars. Well, it's wow. the national, U.S. national. Sure. What are no, we going to okay. do? I'm, all, I'm actually fine with that. I'm That's pretty fine. sure that Paloma was on the Stripes. I think the Stars got two out of three. Super, it was it was exciting. You could I couldn't figure out how to watch the games, but I could see the like scores coming in as they went along. So today, July twenty fourth, the final team has been announced, and it hasn't been announced at the time of recording. So I'm very sorry. The manager Veronica Alvarez, who is a five time player herself, and also very well known as the A's spring training coach and setting records there. Check out the link that I think I highlighted down here in our show notes of her mic'd up while she's coaching and tears in the eyes about how amazing she is. Oh, cool. She is so cool. So this team, once they get chosen, are going to be playing immediately against Canada in a friendship series July 28th to August 1st in Thunder Bay, Ontario. So power to this huge, I mean, this feels like a, big group of girls and women who are playing baseball and it's aiming toward the world cup next year 
And very soon in Venezuela, there's going to be a group qualifier, August 12th to the 21st. The top four from that qualifier go. And I couldn't find the full list, but I know it includes Nicaragua, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic. I'm, I think Cuba, and I think Venezuela, and I don't know who else. Maybe Panama. But it's exciting. Women are playing baseball globally, and it's been just growing as we've been doing the show. And it's crazy to think that we know some of these right. women and that we are at least aware of that. Like, we've got name recognition mm-hmm. of some of these women. Like, they have been around long enough and they are established enough that we know who they are. Yeah. And that is amazing. It's not just, it's not a novelty anymore. It's a real thing. It's getting there. Yeah, it is. Hey, so our Fantasy Boyfriend Baseball League is also a real thing. And it's made up of stupid rules and really enthusiastic players. (laughs) They are so awesome. We love you guys. I might have been at the end of my tequila drink, but I really appreciate (laughs) all of our fantasy baseball players. You guys are so much fun. I'm feeling like we haven't moved around a whole lot in the past week or two. Bo Knows Boyfriends is hanging on to a pretty substantial lead right now um, above Spicy Susie's Hot Mess Express, followed by The Leftovers and iZombies are for adults, which is... Pretty close neck and neck there. Yeah. Um, followed by the super depressed Ace fan and Deborah F's team and Karen's injured team. Ouch. And then many, many points in between <laughs> that and where I show up in eighth place, Patty's Commission team. Um, followed by the kids who have really made only one trade ever. Um, and followed by the defense good, offense meh. And then thank you, Potty Mouth, for supporting us all on your back. I am so in the basement. I am so in the basement. And the leftovers didn't understand how they survived third place in the past few days. But go figure. You There has been appreciation for your, your explanation last week. So Oh, good. I'm glad yeah. about that. And um, I did watch part of the O's game today. And I was amused that the, um, the people calling the game kept saying, oh, well, they haven't played in a week. And they haven't played. I'm like... No one's really played in a week. It was the all-star break. And so I, I don't right. think things would have changed a lot because there have been very few games since the last times last time we reported out That's on true. how our players are doing. That is true. Yeah. I am just very happy that I think I can feel the full team that's not on the I.O. Mine's getting worse. Oh. Mine is getting worse. Oh, my God. So I'm Jazz Chisholm. Just went on the 60-day. What? Yeah, I didn't read it. I just saw the headline. Oh, I got the, my God. That just happened. So I'm really very sad. About that, a couple of my guys are going back and forth from day to day to meh, could go either way. Oh. So I have no backups. I could probably come up with backups, but that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work, and I appreciate yeah. those players who are putting in that work, but I don't know. I don't know. Between my day job, okay, okay I got to say that um, the, the Collegiate League time is over now because my, my team, the Thunderbolts, did not make the playoffs. And I'm sad about that because I really liked working with the team this season. It was great. The guys were terrific. The people like up in the press box were a lot of fun. The fans hung in there. That was really good. So I'm looking forward to next year. I'm a little sad that it's done. But also now I'm thinking, okay, maybe I can go to some professional baseball games again. I was thinking it's been a long time since we've been at Nats Park, relatively. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So let's go to a game. Yeah. Let's go to a game. It's probably not going to happen this week because, wow. No, it's not going to happen yeah. this week. That's for sure. Yeah. Do you have anything happening? Go ahead. I have got no baseball this week. Other I, than, like, watching things on TV if the stream's allowed, not that I pirate because that would be against the law. No, I have definitely, I don't have any baseball this week, but I have too much going on. I'm working too much, which is stupid for me during the summer. And then we're driving back to Massachusetts but without baseball. Massachusetts again already. Yeah. yeah. Bringing wow. the kid to see the grandfather. 
All right. Okay, it's that's a, that's the thing to do. That seems like a, yeah. the right thing to do. Hey, so if you're not um, driving around avoiding baseball games because you're going to see family or whatnot, <laughs> please feel free to check out some back episodes. Look up um, the boyfriends that we're talking about to see those profiles that um, that we have for the guys that we have picked for this year and for previous years. If you have friends or family that you think might like to hear us talk about baseball, please let them know about the podcast. Feel free to leave a review or a rating. We'd love if you did that. And hey, Potty Mouth is always at the ready for the corrections department or just plain old chatting on social media. Absolutely. Come find me on Twitter, us on Twitter, but I'll respond to you at NCIB <laughs> Podcast. Facebook and Instagram, No Crying and B-Ball. And if you'd like to throw a few dollars in our direction so that we can keep on doing this, that would be patreon.com slash no crying and B-Ball. In the meantime, please get your second booster because you know you're eligible for that. Fight the man is the right thing to do. Send your game balls to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth. I gotta say, um, when I'm on the PA, I feel like I'm popping my peas. I'm like, do I need one of these? Is this, mm-hmm. is that, is this like the pea popping stopper? I think theoretically. But I don't notice your peas popping on the PA. <laughs>